Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. Welcome to the Asian Cinema Film Club. This is episode 63, and tonight we're talking about Battle Royale. Uh, talking about the Battle Wizard from 1977. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Heidi, hi, campers. So tonight we take a look at one of the more weirder entries in the Shaw Brothers catalogue, as we mentioned already. Tonight's uh, pick is The Battle Wizard from 1977. But before we obviously get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching. And Stephen, I don't know about yourself, but it's been a pretty fun week of movie watching for myself. But what about yourself? Yeah, I've, I've watched a lot of things, but in particular for this show or just in the asian cinema world um once again using that that three months for a pound um movie subscription you 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 got me um interested in i picked i didn't pick up i watched um uh hu xiaoxian's first ever film um so hu xiaoxian is a I don't think he's a director we've talked about an awful lot. Um, sort of part of that Taiwanese new wave, which I know you love so much. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, come, come comes to uh, you know, quite, quite a lot of importance with his films like City of Sadness and um, Flowers of Shanghai, and much more uh, Millennium Mambo. I'm trying to think what's the other one that was very very recent. Doesn't matter. Anyway, he's a director. I, I kind of. I've seen a fair few of his films. He's not my favourite, but yeah, his his debut film called Cute Girl from 1980 was on movie this week. Um, and it's one of those examples where the first film someone made, which is obviously a commercial work for hire job, gives you no clue whatsoever what this director is going to turn into. Um, director who is normally um, a director um, sort of associated, with, like I say, with the Taiwanese new wave to a degree with sort of slow cinema, um, social commentary, um, elliptical angles on stories and things like that. Um, oh, yeah, Daughter of the Nile, that's another one that I liked. But, you know, sort of so, social realism is really where he's at. And um, Cute Girl is the most commercial uh for, formulaic as it says on uh on wikipedia romantic comedy um um which is basically a vehicle for kenny b and feng fei fei you know kenny b was a um hong kong pop star um i think his band was called the winners or something like that um and he's, he, he turns up in a lot of films in this sort of sort of early 80s period both in taiwan and then later on in hong kong uh feng fei fei i don't know but again she's a she's a taiwanese pop star of the day um and yes she's a rich girl he's a he's a um a chartered surveyor uh they 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 meet in hilarious circumstances wacky hijinks ensue but it turns and they fall in love but it turns out she's going to be married off to another rich bloke but then Kenny B's character decides to try and win her heart by making best friends with the rich guy. And basically they have to go everywhere as a threesome. Not in that 
way, but it just did a. You know, it's sort of like treasure. yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like a, it it came from beneath the sea. There's a weird threesome <laughs> in there, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, just like, just these two guys really got on. They want to hang out with the same woman all the time, <laughs> and she gets a bit annoyed about it. Um, but then stuff happens. Everything that could possibly happen in a romantic comedy happens to these guys, and because it's an Asian romantic comedy, there's some slapstick and there's a little bit of toilet humour and there's a bit of inappropriate stuff going on. And you know what? It's all right. It's totally charming. What the hell it's doing on Mumbai? I have no idea because it's it's um. Yeah, it's 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 unimportant. If it wasn't this director's first film, I don't think anybody would ever look for it again. Um, but it, it's you know it, it's kind of entertaining. He does another one afterwards called Cheerful Wind, which I assume is turning up because I've got a feeling Mubai have bought the early films of Hu Xiao Xian three DVD set, which came out about last year sometime. But yeah, it's it's charming. It's fine. You know me, I like a little romantic comedy at times, um, but it's not. You know, I, I see lots of reviews where people say, ah, but you can see in this scene that's very like the sort of director he's going to become. No, this this is a this is a guy working on his first film, work for hire. There's no there's no clues here to the sort of director he was going to become. But you know, Kenny Bay's always always a charming lead. Um Feng Fei Fei is drop dead gorgeous. Um what what more do you need on a Friday night? Because that's how I spent my Friday night. <laughs> I know. Mo- How about yourself? <laughs> oh, well, Mubai are very surprising with the picks that they have occasionally. They the will something that's very out of left centre. And it's also a really good place to watch a bunch of stuff that you probably wouldn't watch otherwise. So for myself, watching The Last Temptation of Joan of Arc. I mean, a French turn of the century style silent movie, which was just absolutely divine. I mean, it's obviously as divine as a movie about someone being prosecuted and by the church and state and being sent to burn on a stake can be, obviously, but certainly I've got that one to watch as well and I think I put it aside because I went to rewatch um Waking Fright again, so I've got that and I've also got Kathy Yen's Dead Pigs as well to watch, which is currently in the lineup over there as well, so I'm looking forward to uh, checking out as well because I mean she obviously recently did um, the Harley Quinn movie, which it was mm. uh, good. So it'd be interesting to see what her first film was like there. Um, and there's a whole bunch of other like there's a bunch of Alexandro movies over there that I've never seen, and I've, he's always been like one of those directors. I've always said, yeah, I'm going to go in and like watch a bunch of his movies. And I think the the Terrorizers is also on there as well. So. If you're really bored, you can go and rewatch that. Um, as for myself, though, I mean, it's kind of inspired by how much by tonight's pick um, that I sort of launched into a little bit of a Shaw Bros. Marathon, starting off with The Kid with the Golden Arm from 1979, uh, which is a really fun romp, to be honest. I really enjoyed this uh, this one in particular. Yep, another one I've reviewed over on Eastern Kicks back in the day when all the Shaw Brothers films were on iTunes. And we got a load of vouchers to go and watch all, but now they're all on Netflix and much more available. Yeah, it's directed by Chang Che, who's obviously a name you probably know very well if you watch a lot of Shaw Brothers movies. And this one actually features all six of the Venom mob um, and follows the usual sort of trope of there's a shipment of gold being moved and there's a group of bandits that are plotting to steal it and they're led by this mysterious kid with a golden arm who's basically got impenetrable arms um he's got equally 
implausible, skilled henchmen that uh, make up his gang as well. But uh, it was a really fun romp. I enjoyed that one. Um, and because Amazon's very good at saying, well, since you enjoyed this one, next up we've got, uh, and that was uh, Master Ventures from 1981. Uh, very similar in tone to... Um, to then there were none which we were bizarrely talking about before we came on the show tonight which has obviously been adapted into many many different uh, things including the thing remake it's basically you know the classic enemy within story um as a group of uh, mass bandits uh, basically going around terrorizing this village and this uh, group are sent in to dispose of them but uh, is the members of the gang within their number uh some really fun action in here and some really great uh, martial arts work even though it does drag a little bit uh in its place and then i moved on to watching the flying guillotine from 1975 which i mistakenly thought was a prequel to master of the flying guillotine but it's actually the film i was looking for if i was looking for the prequel that would have been uh one-armed boxer with jimmy wang uh you but uh no the flying guillotine still one of the more fun, bizarre, stupid entries from Shaw Brothers. Uh, so this was directed by Ho Ming Kui. Uh, if you obviously know what the flying guillotine is, basically it's uh, like a frisbee. You throw it over your opponent and a bag drops down and you can lop off their head. And it basically flies through everything because it's a flying buzzsaw as well. Really stupid, stupid fun. But uh, basically it sees this emperor forming this uh, team of assassins who all learn to weld the flying guillotine so they start taking out his enemies and one of them has a conscience has a uh, moment of conscience and decides that no i'm not going to do this anymore and i'm going to become a farmer which always seems to be the way whenever you have a warrior decide they're going to put their weapons to dirt uh they always decide to go off and be a farmer like at the end of the um kid with go knife the main bad guy gets blind and he's like I'm going to go off and be a farmer now and I just wondered what it is about you know these two career options in these movies you either <laughs> a warrior or you're a farmer and you see it again in one armed swordsman he loses his arm and he goes off and becomes a farmer it's I, I, I guess you just want to retire from the hurly burly of life and just become one with nature again it's I don't know you know those days when there was only those two career options you know either feared martial artist or farmer kids today just don't know don't know how good they've got it do they apparently not <laughs> um not an asian cinema film but clearly inspired by asian cinema we i checked out the short bff girls directed by brian lonano um here is a director who actually followed me on twitter this week because i tweeted to uh arrow itself like i watched three shorts by this director and now i feel my mind little mind has been warped and it's now time to lie down and question my life choices but um brian lorano is a guy who has the same love for bodily fluids that trauma do while having the same flair for bad taste that john waters possesses and bff girls is kind of like a raunchy parody of sailor's moon with these three american girls uh dealing with the fact they're getting their periods and they're going up against the evil villain who has got a plot to steal period blood to maintain his beauty and they have the special ability to transform into three 
sort of Sailor Moon-esque Asian actresses uh, in a very bizarre random 40 min- 14 minutes. But that's available along with a bunch of his other shorts, including Gwilliam and Crow Hand and The Devil's Arsehole. Um, they're all available through Arrow Player now. So you can go check them out along with a whole bunch of other great stuff that's just been added, um, including the likes of Retaliation, Massacre Gun, The Invisible Man Appears, The Invisible Man versus The Human Fly. There's just so much good stuff happening over at Arrow Player. I just urge you to go and check it out. Uh, check the app out now. Hashtag not sponsored. Yeah. Hashtag but, please sponsor us. That but interested. <laughs> yes. Bring it on Arrow. Come on. You know, we just accept, like, you know, trade. We do, <laughs> you don't have to, like, drive a truck full of money to our house. I mean, just, like, just a trade we will happily accept. Absolutely. So, if you're interested, please let us know at acfilmclub at yahoo.com <laughs> or message us below or via any of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter occasionally as well. So, uh, you can find us there and, you know, come say hello. Whether and, and, you want to sponsor anch- us or just say anch- hello. Anchor, vo- anchor voicemail us, whatever. <laughs> or, you know, send it by snake. <laughs> No, not now, not so soon. <laughs> we won't be able to do this in a few. <laughs> okay, um, that's about it for obviously what we've been watching. Got a couple of uh, things in the mailbag though to discuss. Um, first off, we've got a message. Dear Elwood and Stephen, I have been enjoying your sub show, The Battle Royale Podcast. Do you have any plans to do any more shows of this kind? Well, yes, we do have uh, something in the works at the moment, and um, I don't know, Steve, are we going to reveal what we're going on to now, or should we reveal it a bit closer to the time? I think we can I think we can announce it now, as you said, have you said that? I, I would hate to let the audience down. Um, I don't know which of us is going to say it. <laughs> um, yes, we currently do have a, have a as-yet-untitled <laughs> project in hand, which Stephen has brought to the table. And Stephen, do you want to explain what we're going to be doing for our next project once we finish breaking down Battle Royale, one DVD chapter at a time? So, um... Rather than there's, there's two ways we could the three ways we could have gone with this. We could have done one of these minute by minute ones next, which I've got to be honest with you, ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, as riveting as it is to talk about the Toho logo for a whole episode, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> um, that, uh, much much respect to the people that do those podcasts, and there is a whole subgenre of podcasts about them. <laughs> there's a whole group. They have Indeed. their own Facebook group. I know. <laughs> Somehow I'm a member, and I just think much respect, but no. Um, we could do another DVD chapter by DVD chapter. We may do that again, but I'd, I'd like to step away from the <laughs> from that for a little while because not not that it's not a huge amount of fun. It's just quite a quite a weird commitment. <laughs> um, but what I thought we could do is talk about all the Ring films, um, because Ring is a film we haven't spoken about at all. Although I'm pretty certain it's in both of our DNA to talk about it. Um, But there are a whole bunch of Ring films. Not just the original trilogy, but there's a Korean version. There's, In fact, the the original film was two films, but one of them wasn't successful. Um, We've got the two three American um, remakes. And we've got the whole new series of Sadako 3D um, up until she fights... um, 
the, the lead bad guy from The Grudge. Um, so I think there's 13, 14 films we can look at there. Um, if anyone's got any good ideas for a title for the podcast, let us know. We're, we're, we're playing around with it, but I think that will be fun. And after that, I suspect we'll never want to watch any of the Ring films ever again. Yeah, probably also have a fear of water, apart from beer. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, wells in general. Yeah. So make sure you join us for our forthcoming podcast, Down the Well, title pending. <laughs> <laughs> Um, where we will obviously be uh, discussing those movies. Um, next up, we've got a question that uh, was posed in one of our film groups, but I thought it was really interesting to bring to the show, and that was obviously by David Brook, who does our movie vault reviews. And I've, he posed a really interesting question about um, Hong Kong car chase movies, because obviously we know Hong Kong is great at action movies, be it kung fu movies or gunplay movies. But can you think of any examples, Stephen, of great of great you know car chases within Asian cinema? Um, I'm trying to think of any specifics. Um, Hong Kong's a funny place to have a car chasing because it's the roads aren't really designed for car chases. <laughs> it's not big enough to have a really good big one. I suppose out in the new territories you have country drives. I'm guessing it's things like Initial D, aren't there? Which a car porn, not quite Fast and the Furious style. Um, well, it's it's. I mean, it's obviously Tokyo Drift style, isn't it? Because mm. drift racing is more the thing for Japan than um, obviously doing the drag races that we see. Obviously, that made up like those original movies before they became you know stupid. And I was thinking, uh, like, oh God, there's a film called Motorway. That's more of a cop drama. No, I can't. But I bet you can, right? I've got a few um, to hand here, obviously. I mean, okay. when it comes to, like, obviously, you know, car smashes and car chases, my mind obviously goes to Australian cinema because nobody shoots a car chase like the Australians do. I mean, the exploitation genre is just full of them, be it from, like, Mad Max or mm. uh, even, like, Waking Fright. There's just so much great car porn there. Even, like, you know, Family Fair, like, Frog Dreaming has a really great car chase sequence in it. Um, so, you know, maybe and that... I guess that's got, that country's got the opposite problem to Hong Kong. It's got a lot of real estate to drive cars around yeah. in. <laughs> they also have a habit of never asking permission. They just go out and shoot them. Um, and yeah, you... well, <laughs> health and safety in Australia is, is a few decades behind the rest of the world. Always has been. <laughs> it's true. Um, I mean, obviously, George Miller is the maestro of the of the car smash movie when you look at his Mad Max movies from you know, Mad Max 1 through to Fury Road. But obviously, Brian Trenchard Smith's also really fantastic at the car chase as well when we like look at The Man from Hong Kong starring Johnny Wu, uh, Jimmy Wang Yu. Uh, but also features Sammo Hung in the opening fight sequence as well. I mean, that opening car chase um, ends with a car exploding and the car door flying towards the cameraman as uh, Trent Smith admitted in the documentary Not Quite Hollywood he's like oh that thing's getting rather close uh, <laughs> but um, yeah in regards to Asian cinema I mean there are a couple of obviously noteworthy uh, movies out there I mean you obviously have the car chase in The Raid 2 Mm -hmm. uh, Armour of God features a really good car chase in there as well much like um, the opening of Police Story we got the drive through the shanty town, which was replicated in Bad Boys Two. Yes, of course. Yes. Um, also on the Jackie Chan track, you got Thunderbolt, which is uh, more about him doing car stunts and actual martial arts, but it's still kind of fun. And you've also got Super Cop, aka Police Story Three, which sees Michelle Yeoh riding a motorcycle onto a train. 
Which she did herself. I, I have no doubt. <laughs> um, you can see it in the in the um, the blooper reel at the end, just like what that stunt took. T- t- but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, those are the ones I can I can sort of think of. I mean, she does some more motorcycle riding in like Silverhawk, but it's it's very clearly the motorcycle is on a trailer or something like that. Hmm. Does she do motorcycle work, or looks like it's her doing it in the James Bond film she was in as well? That was so... actually a husband and wife stunt duo. Ah. Um, I know there's one you mean, but yeah, it's a husband and wife team that did the um, did the bike stunt work for that. She yeah, did. All... I'm, I'm pretty certain in in Western cinema, you don't let on the whole, <laughs> you don't let the the, the the star star um star turns do the actual stunts, yeah. unless you're Tom Cruise. She pestered yeah. the um the director into allowing her to have two guns at the end fight sequence, and then realised they were like too heavy and just basically that's why she does a lot of jumping out at people because <laughs> she didn't want to admit that she was wrong. Um, <laughs> and Halle Berry wanted to was sort of like very inspired by that and wanted to do a lot of her stunts in the world is not uh, enough I want to say um, so you've got the scene where she's chasing after the plane and with uh, she had to actually shoot a couple of times and tell Pierce to slow down because she couldn't keep up with him <laughs> I'm not sure I was awake for that bit in that film it's not, I like it myself it's it's daft but it's fun oh, it goes on and on No, that's, that's from Russia with a... love goes on and on Oh, I love them. Well, that, that, there's, there's another podcast series we can argue about. <laughs> That's right. The way things sure. are going. Join us next week <laughs> for Australian Something. Film Club. <laughs> God, don't do the don't do the accent. <laughs> it's so hard not to do the accent. It's one of those ones. It's like Scottish. What you, what you need. What you need to find a woman to do it. You could be like Bruce and Sheila. <laughs> oh no, that would. Now you're going to get us in trouble. Yeah, bring it on, Australia. Oh, wait. Finished? <laughs> <laughs> Are you finishing sorting our demographics now? Yeah, I've, I've, I've finished upsetting Australia. Um, but yeah, if you know of any good um, Asian cinema car chase sequences, please do let us know, uh, either on Facebook or you can let us know on Twitter um, or even on Instagram, just wherever you uh, happen to be listening to this. Just let us know in the comments section and uh, we will read out your suggestions on the next episode. Um, anything else you want to talk about, Stephen? No, I think I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about... The glorious hot mess you've suggested for this week. <laughs> On that note, let's fire up the projector and look at tonight's feature presentation from 1977. It's The Battle Wizard. Uh, so, The Battle Wizard, uh, directed by Paul Su Lee, um, released, as we said, in 1977. It's a unique slice of Kung Fu Weird slash Taiwanese fantasy released through the Shaw Brothers. Um, and probably one of the more random Kung Fu movies that you will see. Um, here, a, a young prince is basically sent out uh, into the world to prove his martial arts skills, uh, despite the fact he'd rather read books than practice martial arts. Um, along the way, he meets up with a a snake charmer um, who has the ability to control snakes, as well as a masked beauty 
who will only reveal her face to the man she plans to marry, um, who also may harbor a deeper secret than uh, she is revealing. And well, yeah, I don't yes. think it's that much of a secret. <laughs> it's pretty clear from the opening stuff, but yeah, it's a secret from the protagonist. Yeah, but um, yeah, as we said, this is a this is this is a fun little movie. To say the least, I think when we obviously were talking about, you know, what we're obviously going to cover on the show tonight, I think it was um, one of those movies that I've had sort of on the background for a while. And I thought it would be really fun to do some Kung Fu weird for a change rather than, you know, we've done serious Kung Fu movies. We've done obviously things like uh, Pedicab Driver, which obviously got the humor there, much like Project A. We've done more serious fare like The Big Boss, uh, Bruce Lee's debut. And I thought it would be fun just to do something completely out there and I think it was either this or the Devil's Sword which is an Indonesian martial arts movie um, and I you know I'd thought we'd, uh, I'd show Stephen this one and, and I've got to be honest when we first started doing this show um, I don't know what did we start with I, th- I thought it was going to be a mix of things we started with you know we started with um, Ghost in the Shell and yep. then we did King Kong Returns yep. um, and I thought we were going to do a lot more sort of mix of classic and and just wacky shit and believe you me you've bought the wacky shit (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a huge i'm not terribly knowledgeable or watch an awful lot of these you call it kung fu weird but these sort of fantasy films um certainly not ones as it's, it's not it's not fair to call it low rent because it's it's not it's actually quite well acted and quite well filmed, um, but it's it's clearly done on a on a budget. And I was going to say initially, I thought, "Wow, they made this one up on the fly." <laughs> Turns out, it's adapted from a quite a popular. Well, they call it a novel in some places, but I think it was like one of the, well, they used to do those sort of a bit like Conan Doyle used to do back in the 19th century um, you sort of published things in newspapers stories in newspapers so an author called Louis Char Louis Char sorry um, from his what became a novel Demigods and Semi-Devils um, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on when we talk about the story a bit more but this is this was a really popular piece of um sort of populist literature and it's been adapted into several movies and several tv shows in fact i think there might be something coming out soon so it takes it just takes one of the storylines for that but yeah the filmmakers aren't making this shit up this is just a film (laughs) adapt it's an adaptation of a book and from the sounds of it they've toned quite a lot of it down but uh it's still gloriously inventive and a huge amount of fun um but nuttier than a bag of glow-in-the-dark frogs. It's just saying just so dismissive of, uh, of you know, this highly cultural gem that this film is. So. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm dismissive. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. It's just nuts. And, and I think we could spend... My God, if we did this chapter by chapter... <laughs> We'd um we'd spend a lot of time laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> but um, and the director itself is probably best known for directing movies like The Boxer from Shang Tung, um, Man of Iron, and um, The Water Margin. 
Okay. Uh, so he's obviously he did several films with the Shaw Brothers uh, films. So it wasn't just you know well these directors just made these sort of like Taiwanese sort of fantasy movies, um, but this one as i said it it throws in many different elements in here we've got some kung fu weird we've got some teleport foo we've got magic foo we've got killer frog foo we've got snake foo we've got <laughs> kung fu gorilla foo and it's just a whole heap of uh, fun elements that this one throws in in it as we open up on basically two two days earlier where we have uh, this prince who's basically having a dalliance with um, another man's wife as this uh, film opens and it turns out that she he's got her pregnant and he's like oh is it possibly martin are you sure it's not your husband and she's like no he's been away for six months and i'm only two months pregnant and lo and behold what perfect time for him to return from wherever he's been to open up with one of the first great lines of the movies is like how dare you cuckold me yeah. <laughs> yeah we do have to say the I, I only saw this in a dub which is an anathema to me normally but I think you watched the dub as well and yeah. the dub has got to be because I had the subtitles on as well which are telling a slightly different story but the the the, the dub makes this even better the dub is absolutely fantastic for this. It's it's the dub itself is a very good dub track. So don't get me wrong. It's just the dialogue that they've chosen to dub it with. I'm not quite sure translates the same. Uh, all, but yes, all, all done by plummy English actors as well, actresses as well. It's really this, weird. I mean, these accents is... go out their voice. <laughs> if you listen to quite a lot of the celestial, you know, uh, releases of the Shaw Brothers movie, you notice a lot of the dubbing cast are very this very similar. Um, so you get used to hearing some of these voices quite a few times throughout their releases, and I, as I said, the cuckold is basically where you, where you shack up with another man's wife in front of him. Next week yes. on Slang with Elwood, Rainbow <laughs> Vomit. <laughs> God, don't. Um, but yes, he's uh, noticeably upset about this. But while he goes to obviously challenge this man who's lying with his wife. What little does he know that this guy also knows the amazing power of laser foo as he uses <laughs> his amazing finger guns to sever his legs. Now, somehow... <laughs> no, he says, he says, not fair, you're using magic. This isn't magic, this is kung fu. No, this is fucking magic. <laughs> He's shooting lasers at your fingertips. <laughs> He's doing finger guns, no less. It's not like he's doing, you know, Yami Yamaha or something like, you know, some Dragon Ball, so like hand movements. You know, he's basically doing the old finger guns you do in the office and going basically pew, pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> while shooting lasers at uh, this guy who loses both his legs in a surprising bit of violence and somehow manages to run away. <laughs> I don't know how he gets away. But yes, this is the. Oh my word! When the Blake's legs come off, was the minute I realised. Oh my God! What have you got me watching? But that's all right. In five minutes, it'll outdo itself with even more nuttiness. <laughs> that's nothing. So, having defeated his lover's husband, um, it then reveals that his fiance is turned up, but she doesn't mind the fact that her that her partner has been off dalliancing with other women because she's just a commoner. And that they're going to be married soon. So, shoot forward two decades later. Um, now, the 
now the former husband is now living in his disco underground disco lair where he has got amazing <laughs> metal bird legs that shoot out telescopically <laughs> and he's hanging out with his brother who's got a head of steel and lobster claws which can detach and flail around oh. on chains is he his brother according to the dub he is Okay, I miss, I missed that both times I watched it. I was wondering who is this bloke because what he looks like is what if? Do you remember the old Doctor Who episode, The Brain of Morbius? Oh yeah, he looks like Morbius but with a green ogre head, <laughs> with varying different paint schemes as the film goes on, <laughs> and he's got like jacket. Why does he look like that? I have no idea. Why has he got a lobster claw and another hand which is just a stump? <laughs> just... I don't think I'm going to better continue this. <laughs> but, um, yes, this, uh, the yellow robe man or Wong Po Chen, as he's uh, known here, played by uh, Shut Chang Tin. Um, he's got, as I say, he's got his, bro- his sort of lobster called hoodlum. He's called Changlong, who's here played by Kang Do. And he's basically spent the last two decades plotting his revenge on, um, obviously, you know, the prince who severed his legs. Now, in the same time, the prince uh, had a son who, as we mentioned at the start of the show, is more interested in reading and books than uh, performing kung fu. And his former lover has had a daughter who's basically been training her to be an assassin to go and take out her love rival with the amazing power of her dart bone. Which I was surprised they didn't make ruder in the dub and call it a boner or something. Oh, WandaVision style. Um, that's spoilers for the last episode of WandaVision. Um, yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> got this giant femur that shoots out red... I'm not going to call them CGI darts because it's not CGI, but yeah, it makes little, yeah, just, again, there's this thing, she sort of says, you must cover your face, so any man who sees your face, you must kill them, which later on morphs into, or marry them. But I don't remember the mother ever saying that. I, again, I may be misremembering because of the amount of laughing I've done has killed a few brain cells. But I'm pretty certain they changed the story later on. Um, it's a real cake but, or death situation, isn't it? <laughs> it, really, it really is. Marry me or I kill you. Okay, I'll marry you. Um, yeah, because she's, she's not uneasy on the eye. And, and, she's, and to start off the film, she's pretty unbeatable at Kung Fu. Um, we see her, yeah, as, you know, she's... she's very, very capable indeed, with or without the dark boner gun. So yeah, can't think what else to call it. <laughs> they don't, they don't really say what it is. It's just a bone that shoots darts, and she's very proficient at it. Very, because very you know she spent she spent her childhood you know learning kung fu, which you know is very handy in this world, especially when it's just full of bandits and bad people. Hmm. And farmers, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must... Um, so, yeah, basically, he's this, you know, this young prince, uh, Tuan Yu, is basically sent out into the world to deal with uh, the fact that he's, you know, he's getting infuriated his father by the fact he's refusing to be a fighter. And he sets out on his travel where he meets this young girl named. Uh, Zongling, 
um, who's basically a snake whisperer, I want to say. Well, she's got some snakes, and she seems to have a, a good relationship with them. But I think there's more than snake, snake whispering going on here, because, yeah, she could do a lot more than just play with the snakes, can't she? Yep. Peter apparently <laughs> had no effect over in Hong Kong in 1977. <laughs> No, yes, certainly does not. Uh, yeah, she the snakes are her friends, and she can use them as weapons, essentially. So she she spins them round, like you know when you look at a snake, you think, "Well, you just spin it round by the tail." Yeah, that's that's her bag, but she throws them through the air. She can telepathically control them, and um, at one point even use them as handy messengers. Which, yes. Luckily, okay. it proves that the local soldiers don't go, Oh my god, a snake! <laughs> Says somebody at the other end must also be a snake whisperer to understand the message, but that's kind of forgotten about. I, I have to say that if you're going to write a message on the belly of a snake, which it crawls along, <laughs> and it somehow doesn't smudge... <laughs> this is, again, this is this is all remarkable stuff. But it's in the source novel. It's just how they've decided to to show it. But and she's very um, she's very forward. She's found her man, and she's going to follow him to the end of the earth. <laughs> However much he's not really, though. he's not that interested. But she's decided he's the one for her. But you know, when you read Jane Austen novels and people meet and then suddenly propose marriage to each other, and you you remember that you know there wasn't a lot of dating in, in Austen's Indeed. day. So Indeed. I always just take these sort of spontaneous marriages as just being, you know, Kung Fu Part Austin. Of the course. Yeah, Kung Fu Austin. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's another genre that you've added to the... I just, just following the teachings of the great Joe Bob Briggs. There's nothing <laughs> that that man can't turn into a foo. So, yeah, the pair are teamed up. He offers to teach her, the, you know, to read, which is always a helpful skill. And she teaches him Kung Fu, which is, you know, it's a really helpful skill. Um, especially if you're going to be captured by a group of bandits whose in- <laughs> initiation into joining their number is you must drink this poison soup and hope the leader will give you the antidote. Yeah, these poison death cults. Always, always a huge cue to join them, isn't there? <laughs> Just weird. Um, and it's obviously at this point that our mass woman basically turns up to save him, but not obviously before our snake whisperer has used her magical snake to ah. So you what you've forgotten is people. what you've forgotten is is that the snake charmer girl is mask girl's goddaughter. Explain so how that pe- works. All these people, I, I I don't know. She just said, "What are you I doing with I my goddaughter?" I mean, what's a goddaughter? Um, a goddaughter is the she knows she's is a the reverse sister, of she says, isn't she? no. I, I I thought it said she was a goddaughter, okay. which is which is you know the the uh, the, the flip side of being someone's godmother, I suppose. <laughs> you see, I was sure that she said that she was a god sister, which is what confused me. But if you're saying goddaughter, I mean that obviously makes sense. I know what a goddaughter. No, but now, but no, but clearly what I've said can't be right because. It makes sense. Therefore, I must be wrong. <laughs> in this but it's yes, a good tactic to approach this one with. Basically, everyone seems to be related either by blood or fealty to everybody else so far. But yeah, she's come to rescue her snake charmer 
Um, oh no, because he goes and gets her. So she says, "Go and get my godmother." Yeah. He Let's... goes and gets her. She kills a bunch of fellas at the, whilst meeting up with him. Drags him along on a horse. They playfully flirt while she kicks him off the horse and chases him around. <laughs> Um, oh god it's stupid <laughs> but let's not forget I mean these bandits are very smart because they have knew their one true weakness which is a waist size hole in a net <laughs> so yeah this is uh, this is this is about the halfway point of this movie um, our snake charmer lady then basically disappears Although, although unfortunately there is a bandit that looks very like her so it looks like she turns on her uh, on her godmother <laughs> and gets uh, shot with the bone gun um, which obviously makes no sense because she obviously turns up later in the movie but you know we'll, we'll let that, that go and it's also at this point that our claw, le- claw handed uh, henchman turns up and we engage in one of the most fantastic chase sequences ever made as he proves just how fast he can run <laughs> they're, on, they're on a horseback <laughs> I have no idea how they show it because the horse is very clearly in normal frame and mm. this guy has been his footage has clearly been sped it up but we're looking at it in the same frame yeah there's quite a lot of film editing and drawing on the film stock trickery that goes on in this. it's actually quite inventive isn't it I know 1977 the rest of the world is He's cooing to Star Wars, but actually the special <laughs> effects in this, you know, we'll, we'll joke about it, but they're not, you know, they're like 70s. They're better than 70s Doctor Who. Um, so they're okay. They're, they're all right. But yes, I don't know how they did some of the stuff. I don't know why they did some of the stuff, but it's all right because there's a giant rubber fucking snake about to come. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> this movie teaches basically that, you know, you can spend your days reading books and having a jolly good time, not learning Kung Fu, as all it takes for you is just basically battle a giant rubber snake. Um, and if you drink its blood, you will become a martial arts master. And able to quote... Neo from the Matrix from a future of 30 years away and say, I know Kung Fu. Oh, yes, he does, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I don't know if, if Neo from the Matrix was quoting the Battle Wizard or it's just a, a, a glorious coincidence. But yes, this, this, this man now becomes the most skilled martial arts fighter without having to learn anything, nor teaching Snake Girl to read. He's pretty rubbish at everything he sets out to do, yeah. but has now become a master of some form of Kung Fu which luckily, brain of Morbius ogre guy seems to be semi impervious to. Apparently so, it would seem. <laughs> um, but I mean, we haven't even mentioned the fact that there's a killer frog that sits in a box. <gasps> We've forgotten about the killer frog. Yeah, because the killer frog has one purpose and changes its purpose later on. Is he? Does the killer frog? Is that to make you immune to poison to start with? I forget what his original purpose was. I just I can't remember. I just remember he lets out the box and the box and it attacks somebody. That's right, it does. Um, but, but later on, it's going to serve a completely different purpose. Which it's is, like... I think, is on the second time I've seen a mar- uh, killer frog. I mean, the other one, obviously, being in Shaolin Drunkard, which featured um, a giant killer frog as well. Uh, this is, but this is a Swiss Army frog. It's true, <laughs> and. <laughs> 
I mean, what, oh. you obviously reminded me when you said about the line of like, I know Kung Fu, because the dub has some wonderful lines in it. My other one being that when he falls out with his future love interest and he just responds with, wow, what a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not sure that's in the, the original <laughs> sub. <laughs> no. Oh, dear. So... Yes, uh, he basically knows Kung Fu. Uh, but of course it doesn't stop them, the pair from being captured and being fed to the gorilla. Because... Yeah, so what you remember is he's gone. Hang on, you, you, he's been fed to the gorilla. You haven't, you haven't said the other bit yet. You've missed out a whole chunk of creepy story. So he's left home to go and find see the world without telling his dad right so he's in trouble because his dad's like is his dad now the emperor it's, some... it's, he's a it's very hard to say because he because both of them seem to come from royalty of of some yeah. kind so i'm just going to say he's like a he's a, he, a he's royal the, he's the potential heir to something but because he's not martial artist like his laser pointing dad he's a future support so he's gone off He's bumped into the snake girl. Snake girl disappeared. And now he's, after biting the snake and fighting off Brain of Morbius Ogre Guy, he's now seen the face of, um, what's her name? Wang Quing, is it? Or no, that's the other one. Um, I don't know what the doctor, the other girl's name is. I can't remember. But it's in her face. And that's when she says, well, you've got to marry me or I'll kill you. So he says, I'll marry you, of course. We, of course, know she's his half-sister. And then we get quite a lot of ickiness. <laughs> it's quite romantic. And he brings her home. So he said he was going to run off for years to find himself. He's gone for about 35 minutes. And he's he's had one relationship. And, he's had, and now he's brought another girl home to get married. Who then... It all looks like it's going to be a wedding. Except his mum turns up. And... Mask girl sees the mole, which her mother, who by the way we've never seen again, never mentioned again after sending her daughter off into the wide world. Mm. This mole apparently is so unique. <laughs> it is on her wrist. A, a mole on her wrist, yeah, red, and it's red, so it's not even a mole really. I don't know what it is. It's just this blemish on her wrist <laughs> identifies her as the woman that she's been trained to kill. But it's all right because she doesn't do any of that. <laughs> <like>, what? <laughs> And then yes, then they get both get captured. Again, that's kind of blurry how that happens, but they're thrown into a pit, as you say. And oh, this is only only after the yellow robe monk has remarked, "Oh, what a lot of incest!" <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the... Oh, another great line, and and yeah, and so eventually everyone's got together. The 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 philandering prince from 20 years ago, who's now the dad. Um, another fella, I think it's his brother. I'm not, again, or advisor, not sure. Um, the guy who had his legs chopped off, who's now got telescopic metal chicken feet. But they're stilts, and he's clearly three feet higher than everybody else because he's walking around in stilts. Um, Ogre Boy. Um, there's somebody else, I'm sure, as well. Oh, Snake Girl turns up. Yeah. Um, but the brother and the half brother and half sister, uh, Duan Yu and, and his sister, are now kept down in this. Oh God! Oak Ogre Boy tries to rape Mask Girl with his claw, 
Chicken Leg Man says, <laughs> that's really bad. These characters now. <laughs> that's really bad form. You really shouldn't do that. Stop it. You're being rude to our hosts. And then chucks her down maybe 50 feet into a pit onto a stone floor. Yeah. Because that's okay. And they survive. And then there's lots of idle posturing amongst all these people. And they say he's going to die now because they let out the greatest warrior of this, of, of, of Wuxia China. <laughs> a man in an ape suit. It's not a man in an ape suit. That was a, clearly a trained gorilla. Some the, They spent numerous hours training this gorilla to do kung fu. But I mean, even before that, we get the, the devious plot that they have where it's like, let's go feed them to the gorilla. <laughs> And you think you realize that not only does he have an underground disco lair and a lobster called henchman, but he also has a gorilla. I, 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 it's I don't know. He's used his twenty years wisely. He clearly has. I mean, he's he's not just been sitting there in his, as I said, just sitting around biding his time. He's got like got all these like bomb villain gadgets going on. He's got a gorilla. He's got a cool sidekick. Who's got pervy tendencies, but we'll overlook that because it's kind of at the period, and we've we've covered it on numerous shows the mm. the the often icky approach to um, you know rape and, and things. Yeah. But um, thankfully, it doesn't detract from from the from this one. And yeah, they're basically in this pit, and uh, we had to, we had this amazing fight scene with this gorilla. Um, Remember because... with and 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 as. As um, Duan Yu has become more powerful because he knows Kung Fu, his half-sister has become pathetic. Do you remember in her first scene, or in that first fight scene, she's like really, really capable? Yeah. And now she's just useless. (laughs) But it's okay because she knows the secret. The secret to completing his transformation from a civil servant to the greatest martial artist the world has ever known remember the frog eat it <laughs> he, i mean he really chokes it. i mean this isn't like a frog this is more like a toad this is a big old thing that he's basically this, you, this actor is trying to choke down and it's luminous yellow as well which <laughs> if anything like, if anyone's told you anything things are yellow you shouldn't be eating be it snow or magical frogs because <laughs> the, the the red the giant red snake was kind of talked about before he encountered it. So we kind of was expecting it. The frog up to now has been a weapon of a completely separate design. He he you know he's he's a he's a killer frog. Now apparently you have to eat the frog to complete the bond of red giant red snake blood and that and now you are going to be able to do freaking amazing shit and no man sorry kung fu gorilla is <laughs> going to is going to be able to stop you. So yes, he has a second epiphany, once again, without any work put into it. <laughs> he just things delivered to him on a plate. Pun not intended. Um. Oh gosh, yeah. And they escape. Well, only after they like tear the gorilla's arm off. Oh god, in yes. a wonderful piece of uh, kung fu mastery. <laughs> Oh, they rip his arm off. <laughs> I was so expecting him to like beat the gorilla to death with his own arm. Oh, they should. I don't know why they didn't. 
I don't. I have no idea why they didn't. They missed the opportunity. I think because Wu Tang versus Evil Dead had done it previously, so they thought, oh Maybe. well, we can't do the thing where we tear the guy's arm off and then beat him to death for his own arm. Yeah, but that wasn't a gorilla arm. <laughs> it's true, but it's okay because now they've got the standard Wuxia power of jumping quite high, and they escape out of this pit. Yeah, to the final showdown. Well, I honestly don't know who's on whose side anymore. Wait, well, it, it doesn't really matter because you basically <laughs> just got the big showdown between you know Evil Wizard and his uh, henchmen. Um, of course, at this point, it then reveals the fact that not only does he have telescopic bird legs, but he can breathe fire as well, which he uses to great effect. He can, uh, we get to see people thrown through windows. It's just a really fun fight sequence that we get at the end. It's, it's- it's farcical but deliriously fantastic. Yeah, I think this is the first time we learned that Lobster Boy has got um, that his lobster claw is on a rope, isn't it? Or did that? Oh no, we've seen we've well? seen it previously to this. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. He really he like hells whole groups of people through. We didn't realize how just how strong he is. Uh, mm. But yeah, he's able to take on whole groups of soldiers with absolute ease. And obviously, our yellow robed monk as well is kicking people through walls. He's breathing fire. It's uh, there's some really good fire stunts as well in this as well. It's not just a case of you know fire effects. We get to see people set on fire, which is really cool as well. So yeah, and yeah, and then other people are involved, and then half sister, masked half sister, sacrifices herself, but luckily it's finally recognised by her father. And she goes, Dad, Father, and dies in his arms because that's what happens. <laughs> but oh, but at least she saved her brother, who is now the most powerful man in the world. Yes, and he sets off in true kung fu fashion to go and have a series of adventures with uh, his snake, snake charmer girlfriend. Snake girl. Oh, and of course, also he kills. The man you're calling yellow yellow robe monk, who couldn't have been a monk because he was married with children, but never mind. Um, I, don't, I don't know what he is like, crazed loon with amputated legs. <laughs> He's a battle because, wizard. Because <laughs> something happens to him during the fight that makes him turn into a pool of colourful poster paints and fire <laughs> disappears. Oh god, and he blows up Ogre Boy's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> The fight is fantastic. And we're not really doing it any favours here. And the way I decided to... I don't know what the quite the right word is, but the, sort of the, the way I decided to understand this film was not as a wuxia film, not even as a fantasy film, but as some kind of cheap superhero film where everyone is a superhero with shitty origin story and powers that you know you know the way like superman when he starts he could just run quite fast and jump over a building and yeah. then within 20 years he's he's tossing the earth around it's a bit like that being being the greatest martial artist in the world isn't good enough within five minutes he's got to eat a, eat a frog to get even more powerful and it's it just it just felt a bit a bit like a sort of 50s 60s comic book and this was like the really shit X-Men. But that's being really mean to it because I don't think we we're at anything but entertained for all 175 minutes of this, were we? 
It was. It's really, really short. I mean, this is about seventy. Yes. Hour fifteen, I thought it was, but yeah, yeah there's no and, and and it's there's not a moment of that is not entertaining. You know, there's not a scene. There's nothing. There's no fat in this film to get rid of. It's no. stupid and ridiculous, but it's hugely entertaining. Bizarrely, when we get the mention of the we they go to be tossed in the gorilla pit, it does have a little bit of a drag there. But um, other than that, oh, it's it's a 90, really, 90 seconds maybe. It's a real sort of uh, <laughs> pretty quick paced film. It's really stupid but deliriously fun at the same time. Um, and at the same, it's as I said, this is just the sort of kung fu weirdness that is just meant for Sunday mornings. Yeah, and you know, and this was made at a time where any any film script that went across Run Run Short's desk, he just said yes. <laughs> um, and I guess there's some other context here. So the main guy is played by Danny Lee, who is like one of those sort of second tier Shaw brother actors, um, who also played the main character in the Hong Kong sort of Japanese tonkatsu ripoff, um, uh, Inframan. And I believe a lot of the stuff in this film is just stuff that was lying around from Inframan, uh, the Inframan film being recorded. So I, I assume that's why they've got a gorilla and a lobster claw and stuff like that. They're just, in classic Shaw Brothers style, reusing the shit that's laying around. <laughs> but Danny Lee will go on to be in John Woo's The Killer and produce and star in the Anthony Wong Cat 3 Schlockfest The Untold Story. So the crazy shit that happens in this film is nothing to what he's eventually going to bring to Hong Kong cinema within 15 years. The man has a quite a CV on him. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about in this one? Yeah. So <laughs> I was also reading up on the book, right? Okay. Um, obviously... I haven't read the book. I think it would be a bit of a challenge for me. In fact, um, they can't. They don't even decide how to translate the title. However, apparently, there's there's sort of three broad story. It took three years for it to get published in the newspapers. God knows how long it is. But um, apparently, this is just one of the stories in the book. The new, there's sort of three main narratives of which this is one of them. But our lead um, our lead guy. Um, Duan Yu in the book doesn't just meet this girl who turns out to be his half-sister his dad is such a philanderer of the five people he meets three of them are his half-sisters it's going to have been even better that every girl he falls in love with turns out to be his sister um, and then in the finale of the book and he, he, he decides it turns out that he's not the son of his dad after all and therefore he marries all three of them genius this is just toned down Elwood this is this is just <sighs> a, a weak version of this story <coughs> and when I realised there's, there's, there's at least three other films we can find and a bunch of TV shows I'm um, I'm, I, I nearly said let's um, let's do a show about this <laughs> <laughs> And the, the 1994 one has uh, Bridget Lynn and Gong Lee in it. And I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty good. And one of them is about to come out. Oh, yeah? But it's a 10-cent video, so I don't know if it's just an online thing. But yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. 
Janice Mann's in it, who's um, who's one of the little sort of stars of uh, Chinese uh, cinema. But yeah, it's um, I found six TV shows and three films, and three video games. This is a whole thing I knew nothing about, mate. So thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just fun, isn't it? It's just yeah. silly old fun, and it's not a genre I'm particularly into. I've got to say, but it's charming and it's silly and it's really well done. I mean, we watch. You, know, you and I have both watched a lot of low-budget imaginative stuff over the years, and this stands up. I think along with the best of them, doesn't it? It's just daft. Oh, definitely so. I mean, this is, is a classic slice of kung fu, weird to say the least. It's uh, got all the things that you want. It's got magic, kung fu, action, mischief, mayhem. It's just all the things that you really want in a generally fun time. And it's the sort of kung fu movies I tend to sort of gravitate towards if uh, whenever I can find them. Um, as I find them, just whenever you're doing like just sort of like the stoic kung fu hero, it's often you can get to be a bit of a drag. So to throw in some fun elements in there is always uh, always kind of exciting when you watch things such as like Ninja and the Dragon's Den, and uh, which obviously has got the kung fu versus ninjutsu styles in there. Or you watch uh, things such like as we said already, you watch like the Double Sword, uh, or Web of Death. Shaolin Drunkard, they're all really kind of fun uh, ones I would pair with this, much like Mad Monkey Kung Fu, uh, for example. Just really fun sort of Sunday morning viewing. You just want to throw something on that's fun and over, all sort of wrapped up. And I have to say that what I love about these these movies is the fact that you get all the credits and stuff at the start, so it ends just with like and the end. It just, end. just ends. And I have a, I have a Shaw Brothers The End t-shirt because I've noticed that and it's just got the end, the Shaw Brothers <laughs> The End thing on it. And uh, if we ever have a, if we have a Revelation Cinema Film Club meetup, I'll promise to wear it if it still fits me, if I haven't got too fat. But um, <laughs> um, because you've got, to, you've got to also remember there are, you know, this is, this, this is at the, the pulpy end of things. This is the films that are made in a week. Um, to, to get into the cinema really quickly. Um, I mean, from a film like this, um, you also get um, sort of six years later, Troy Hark's Zoo Warriors from Magic Mountain, right? Yeah. Which is just as daft. It's just got better actors and more money thrown at it. And I guess, does that not lead you to something like Big Trouble in Little China? Big Trouble um, in Little China definitely draws a lot of inspiration from this. I mean, you can also look at other films in that sort of period, such as like The Magic Crystal. Uh, you can also look at Ride with White Hair. I think it's also got a lot of these similar sort of elements in it, even though it's mm. got more of a focus on the romantic side of things. You can look at like even anime and things such as like Ninja Scroll and Ninja Resurrection, uh, which also throw in those elements, you know, of the mysticism and magic and you know demons um combined with like the traditional sort of samurai the samurai i say samurai but it's more like pop samurai elements in there and even like the baby card in peril movies have their moments like this um as we obviously see as we get into the later films of that series so Mm, no well well worth watching and you know the the hilarity for me is was this episode 63 it's taken you 60 episodes to get a film that I was expecting for you to talk about. <laughs> a type of film, let's say. So hopefully more of these in the future. 
Oh, definitely. <laughs> Plenty of these left to uh, still cover. That's no no shortage of those at all. It's been, and you can rent this one on Amazon really easily as well. Um, it's really frustrating as well because they, Amazon have got a whole bunch of Shaw Brothers movies on there, but they've started removing titles and making them pay for rentals. So if you haven't done already, really start binging away those Shaw Brothers titles before they all come pay rentals. But at the same time, they are pretty cheap rentals as well. So. Um, and I think they're even cheap, they're cheap to buy as well. And I think this would be a fun one to add to your digital collection as well. Um, I mean, we've ripped it to shreds, but that doesn't mean it wasn't fun love. to watch. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's hilarious, and um, yeah, it, it, uh, uh, yeah, I, I got six huge belly laughs out of watching it. But at the same time, I I would gladly recommend this to someone else to watch. <laughs> He's going, he's going, you want to see something? i got a film for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just like really hushed tones in the pub. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like back in like back in the 80s, that would be I've, I've, I've got this, I've got this VHS. Oh, when you switch like what happens on it. the greasy guy behind the counter of the VHS store and he's like yeah. nicking his thin fingers, it's like, yeah, oh, you got something for you. <laughs> I've got something from Hong Kong, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> Um, normally before they give you like some 8th generation <laughs> copy of something <laughs> exactly <laughs> just there staring for the static at something but um, yeah uh, that brings us really to the end of tonight's episode unless there's anything you want to find this in no not at all Lo- yep. lo- loved it nice nice one but let's have a, let's have another 60 films before having another one like this <laughs> that's what you think um <laughs> But no, this brings us tonight the end of tonight's episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you happen to be listening to us. And maybe leave us a review, as it all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us both on Instagram and Facebook. And Facebook in particular, we have a really fun group atmosphere happening over there. As we post pretty much every day, not only noteworthy stories about films, but also Asian pop culture as well. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and if you want to uh, mail into the show you can do it which is acfilmclub at yahoo.com um, Stephen it's your turn to pick our next film and what would you like to look at well, do you remember a few episodes ago when we looked at World of Kanako and yes. I said that's a film that I saw at the time and I disliked immensely but used the show as an opportunity to go back and look at it and actually you ended up really loving the film didn't you I um, did it was and, and, it and I think our, I um, our top 100 in the end, it, I believe. It did, and um, you know, and I got a. I, I still disliked it, but I enjoyed <laughs> it a lot more the second time. I disliked it rather than how it made me feel the first time for different reasons. But go back and listen to that episode. So another film back from our, you know, our, our formative days as Asian cinema. And that's another film which sort of came out at the same time was um, Wayuhei Kitamura's Verses. And I've tried to watch Versus maybe 20 times. And I've never got more than 20 minutes into it. Okay. Um, it's recently been released by Arrow, which I've obviously picked up because I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> um, I'm unaware of him from his... I mean, Godzilla Final Wars is a huge laugh of a film. I mean, he's a really interesting filmmaker, very um, kinetic. Yeah. And I seem to remember um, he had a... Had a had a um had a bit on uh, the Jonathan Ross incredibly f- strange film show back in the day, 
Um, so he, he was a he was a he was a big deal. But this film, people gush over it, and it's all in that same time as The Ring and Audition and all those films that we were, you know, tar- I'm sure there's a Tartan video version of it out. That's probably how I first saw it. Yeah. And I want to go back. I want to watch it. I want to watch it from beginning to end with no excuses. All two hours of it. Um, I will suggest we watch the original, not the um, expanded version, Ultimate Versus, which is also available, which is another 10 minutes long. Let's just stick with the original. But yeah, really want to watch Kitamura's Versus. Fantastic. Um, it's Gangsters versus Zombies in the Forest of Resurrection. Ryu Kitamura, a director who often says, Why not? And <laughs> now posed the question of, Why can't we do baseball with zombies and he gave us Battlefield Baseball and he also gave us um, obviously as you mentioned already Godzilla Final Wars which for the longest time marked the end of the uh, Godzilla Millennium Saga before we obviously had um, the Shin Godzilla, Shin Godzilla yeah, which I had to think for, for a minute which um, was kind of more like Battle Room Godzilla than <laughs> traditional Godzilla I'm still not sure why I sit on Shin Godzilla, but uh, yeah, Ryu Kinemura, a very interesting director to say say the least, Um, and uh, one that's going to be be fun to go back to our roots and uh, and uh, check that one out. So I'm very excited to talk about uh, that. But obviously, that's all coming up on our next episode. And uh, if you haven't done already, also check out our other show, the Battle Royale Podcast. We're breaking down Battle Royale one DVD chapter at a time, while also drawing comparisons to both the manga and the novel. Um, it's just a real fun time. You can find that not only in our main podcast feed, but also in its own podcast feed as well. So whatever works out best for your podcast needs. But um, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co-host Stephen pleasure as always and we'll be back next time to talk about verses but until then good night This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.